0: Journey family. How you guys feeling on this Sunday morning? Welcome, we're so glad to have you as part of our church family. A big welcome to all of you joining us online and at our Hocassin location. And if we haven't gotten an opportunity to meet yet, my name is Abby, I'm our Next Steps Pastor here, which means I wear a lot of different hats. But one of my favorite hats that I get to wear is overseeing our Journey Leadership Institute evening program, which is really our heart as a church, to raise up a generation of empowering leaders that we believe are going to change this region, Journey City, for Jesus. How many of you believe that this city could use some more leaders who are focused on Jesus, full of love and truth and grace? And so I want to encourage you, our evening program, our fall semester, kicks off in just A couple of weeks and if you think that may be your next step make sure that you get online you can learn a little bit more about how to take those steps how to apply for this fall but before we talk too much about fall I know we're still in the summer and this uh, last weekend we kicked off this series called clean which is all about helping us pursue purity so that we can see God more clearly, and our lead pastor, Mark, kicked this series off with such a great message, just a reminder that God created every single one of us on purpose, for a purpose we can be gold for god we do not have to be spiritual sporks and if you're like what is she talking about that means that you did not come to church last weekend but the good news is you can still catch that message on our youtube channel and pastor mark is actually this weekend preaching at an amazing life-giving multi-site church in the state of new jersey called liquid but journey i know that he loves you he misses you if he were here he would tell you there's no place like home. And so I'm really grateful to him and to Susie for the opportunity to get to speak to you this weekend because I get to talk about discipline. Yes, I drew like the short straw of this series, but it's okay, we're in it together, all right? We're in it together. How many of you got disciplined a lot as a kid? Okay, couple of you, if you're online, you can raise your hand. Um, so yes, that was, I, my hand was honestly up as an example. Uh, I was a people pleaser growing up, which comes with with its own host of issues, all right? <laughs> but I did not get in trouble all of that much as a kid. I had a younger sister, and although we certainly got into some epic girl fights, you know, hair pulling, biting, uh, for the most part, we got along, we were kind towards each other, we were gentle towards each other, and that's why it seems kind of unfair that I was so kind and sweet towards my sister. And so when the Lord decided to give me kids, he gave me two little boys who are anything except gentle spirited. So yes, these are my two boys. This is them on Easter Sunday at our Hocassin location, shout out. To Hokassin, and uh, I was gonna try to find a photo for you that was just them sitting there nice and quietly, but I've got like two of those. Um, And this really just felt more accurate. I mean, do you even have a brother if you've never been fake suffocated by him in a photo? This is just, this perfectly encapsulates who they are. And they do get along sometimes, but within a 10 minute window, they will both hug each other and try to kill each other, and so we uh, should be doing a lot of discipline in our house, in the Ecker house, so we had some discipline this morning, in fact, so thankful for the grace of God, Um, because now, (laughs) yes, now here's what you gotta know, okay, truthfully, I am really not a very good disciplinarian, but thankfully, I am married to one. So my husband is a great disciplinarian. He actually works with elementary school kids. He's done this for over a decade and with kids who do honestly have a lot of behavioral issues. So when it comes to our kids behaving at home, he is on them constantly. I mean, he will put them in timeout and then he looks at them and he says voice off. And then they're silent in timeout. I mean, it's so impressive. I put my kids in timeout and I'm like, mommy is saying, stop talking. And they're just, they're talking louder. I don't, I don't know how he does it. He really is the true MVP of the Ecker family. And what I've realized about all of this is that any of you who are parents have probably had this moment that, you know, sometimes disciplining your kids is more work for you than it is for them and as, not just as a parent, but just the way that I'm wired, I'm often so present focused that for me, I'll ignore some of the things that that they do. I'm like, well, it's not that big of a deal if they don't listen to me over here or they're disrespectful over there, but my husband does not take any of that. I mean, he's on them constantly because he knows from a decade of working with kids that what is not corrected in the present can lead them down the wrong path in the future. And he loves them too much not to discipline them. And so, uh, I know, he. yeah, give him a round of applause. He really, he deserves it. I told him this weekend, I said, hey, I want to talk about discipline and how you are the key disciplinarian in our house. Are you okay if I share that story? And he said, yeah, as long as you make sure that people know I'm not a tyrant. So, publicly, I would like to make sure that you know, um, not only is he a great disciplinarian, he's also fun dad in our house. Our kids love him, and I let our kids run wild, but I make them eat their vegetables, so it's all balance in, in marriage. And that's really what I'm gonna talk about today. I wanna talk about a God who sees our path when sometimes we can only see our present. And maybe you're new to this whole God thing or faith thing, you're not quite sure what you believe yet, that's all right. Even as I was preparing for this message, I thought some of the things I get the honor and privilege to share today, I'm not sure I fully believed them 11 years ago when I first put my faith in Jesus and I first started coming to the journey. It's why we believe that this spiritual growth is a journey. And I'm so grateful that I get to share some of the things that God has shown me about this topic of discipline, and if you're here today and you do consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you believe in a God who is compassionate and kind and merciful, we have to understand that God's kindness and his compassion also comes with correction, or that dirty little word, discipline as part of this spiritual journey. And God's discipline is not simply to punish us, God's discipline is to propel us into the future and the purpose that he has for us. And so today we're gonna be looking at the book of Hebrews and scholars have lots of different theories on who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we know that it was written for Jewish people and it addresses some things that would have been really relevant to them in their culture. And so the passage we're reading from today is in Hebrews chapter 12, but the chapter right before this chapter 11 is where we read about something that we often heard uh, referred to as the heroes of our faith. People that you may have heard of in the Bible, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, people in the Bible who did not have perfect lives, but stayed faithful to God, no matter what their circumstances were. And so here's how the author of Hebrews starts. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, in other words, those heroes of our faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, anybody who knows me knows that I love to run, and not like for my life, just for fun. Sometimes I will pay a city a great deal of money to go run around their city for fun for a couple of hours. And I talked about my love for running in a message a couple of weeks ago. I'm not gonna talk about it a lot, today, and uh, while I tell everybody around me, hey, I love running, everybody knows Abby loves to run, what a lot of people don't know, at least until this weekend, um, is that I also sweat an unbelievable amount for a small person when I run. Um, True story, a couple weeks ago, it had been, it rained overnight, but as soon as it finished raining, I went outside for a run, but it was still, you know how it gets after, it's rainy, it's like muggy, it's humid, it's hot, And so, I mean, I was just drenched, honestly, head to toe, drenched in sweat after my run. And I went to get coffee afterwards, and the barista looked at me, and she said, oh, wow, you must have gotten caught in that rainstorm. And I was like, no, this is just me after running five miles. And I mean, she gave me a look. Okay, all right. I was like, I'll take that coffee iced, please. Um, So, that's all you need to know, okay, is the headline of the story is that I sweat a lot after I run, especially when it is hot outside. And so when I finish a run, there are lots of different things that I want to do. I want to eat, I want to drink some water, I want to stretch. Sometimes I just want to lay on the floor and do nothing. But the one thing that I want to do more than anything else is strip off those dirty, sweaty clothes, get in the shower, and get clean. Amen, right? Like there is nothing like a good shower after a hot run. I cannot wait to be clean. And the author of Hebrews here tells us that we've got to treat our sin the same way. You may have heard a lot of things about sin, but sin simply is anything that we think, say, or do that falls short of God's very best for us. And so we have to strip it off immediately. We have to make sure that we are taking a spiritual Shower, that stuff cannot hang around on our souls. We cannot wait. And so we have to make a commitment whenever sin comes up in our lives, which it will often. I've had temptation to sin multiple times this morning. I don't know about you. Try getting two kids ready for church. That's what you need right there. And so the thing is, we have to know sin's gonna pop up in our lives, but we've gotta have a commitment to strip it off, to strip off that little white lie, that attitude of pride that shows up in our jobs, that sense of entitlement that shows up in our relationships, that gossip, that secret addiction, that financial indiscretion, that sideways sexual thought, because if we don't strip off those things, guess what happens? we get weighed down that's what the author is encouraging us to avoid we get weighed down and then we have to start working harder to hide that habit and then convince ourselves over and over again that it's not that big of a deal we didn't get caught once so we might as well do it again and that weight can drown us some of you may be in a place maybe even today where you feel like that weight is drowning you. And we all know that weight is not worth it. And it doesn't have to keep us down. There is hope. And this is how we know. It says, let us run in the Bible. All right. So let us run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. This faith journey is a journey. It's a process. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Think about if you've ever been driving and you've gotten distracted. Maybe you were sending that text you weren't supposed to send or turning around to talk to somebody in the backseat and all of a sudden your car swerved. And what happens? You're terrified in that moment. It's so scary, you take your eyes off the road and you get distracted for a moment. And this is what the author is is saying, the same thing happens in our faith. When we take our eyes off Jesus, we get distracted and we swerve into places that we were never meant to be. He says, we've gotta live a life that's eyes up, focused on Jesus and not get distracted by everything else around us, we have to stay committed to stripping off that sin, stripping off those dirty, sinful clothes. And so often instead, we try to convince ourselves that that sin is not really that big of a deal, that it's not going to trip us up. And I thought about this, if I come inside super sweaty from a run and I don't take a shower right away, what happens? I get distracted. eat breakfast, I drink some water, and all of a sudden I'm doing chores around the house, and a couple of hours later, my clothes have started drying, which is gross, right? I mean, it's gross. But the truth is, I'm comfortable. What seemed like such an immediate dire need when I finished my run to go get in the shower all of a sudden isn't quite as dire anymore because I've gotten comfortable. And how many of us this weekend would admit that we've gotten comfortable in some of our sweaty, filthy, sinful clothes? The sweat has started drying on our soul and maybe we don't even notice some of those things anymore. We've become complacent Distracted, And the only solution for stripping off those filthy, sinful clothes on a regular basis is to stay committed to Jesus. Eyes up. Eyes up. He's leader and Lord of our lives. And I know it can be hard. That's why we said this is a race. We have to run it with endurance. It does not always feel good in the moment to strip away some of those sinful attitudes and behaviors and perspectives that have popped up in our lives, especially if we've gotten comfortable. They've started to become part of who we are and what we do every day, but staying committed to Jesus requires us to strip off those bad attitudes, those broken perspectives, those dysfunctional habits. And if we refuse to do those things, that's when sometimes God simply has to step in. If we won't do it ourselves, then he has no choice except to discipline us out of his love. The author says it like this, Have you forgotten the encouraging word that God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Some of you this morning are going through it right now and you need this word and this reminder not to give up. God is not doing this to you. He is doing it for you because he loves you that much. He has no choice. And this can be difficult to read because quite honestly, I want God to love me and do everything I want him to do every moment of every day. You guys seem a lot more spiritually mature than I am, but that's the truth. I don't want God's discipline. No one wants God's correction. And I think that this is a good time to pause and acknowledge some of this can be really hard for us because we have baggage when it comes to discipline. Some of us have dysfunctional, broken relationships with parents who have disciplined us in our lives in a way that wasn't for our good, it was their own. And I know it it can lead to trauma and abuse. I've heard the stories, some of you have shared with me, how it has felt like your parents and your relationship with them has broken you beyond repair. But I am here to tell you God is a good father. He does not have baggage, He is not dysfunctional. He loves you the way you always wanted to be loved. And so he corrects us out of that love and out of that grace. He is not dishing out suffering as some sort of power play. God does not need to feel better about himself. God is the creator of the universe. He's good. He does not need your approval. He's good. And he is so deeply committed to us as his kids, far beyond the way any human parent could be and he wants to see us succeed. Oh, some of us today gotta realize that his definition of success does not match our de- definition of success, and we've gotta choose what we really want. God's discipline is an act of love, not punishment. And we have to remember that God sees our path when we can only see the present. Some of us are resisting this discipline because we have fear, Fear of letting go, fear of starting something, fear of stopping something, fear of forgiving someone. And we are holding on to that fear. And here's what you got to know about fear. It will never lead you to where you ultimately want to go. We've got a choice. We can choose fear and then we can choose to stay stuck or we can choose faith and we can choose to move forward. Forward, but that faith requires us to submit to some of God's correction in our lives. And so I really believe that God's discipline is an invitation. And if that sounds crazy, I get it. A couple of years ago, I would not have believed that God's discipline was an invitation, but I have seen it over and over and over again. God's discipline is an invitation for us to experience His grace, to experience sharing in his glory, and so what does it really look like? It may sound okay, like that may sound good, God's discipline, what does that mean? Does that mean if I tell a white lie that he's just gonna come down and strike me dead? Is that what we mean by God's discipline? And uh, most likely not. I've never heard of that happening to anybody I know. And I find that God often gives us many opportunities to obey him before the discipline kicks in. You gotta realize that God does not delight in discipline. God delights in making disciples, people who are becoming more and more like his son, Jesus. So he gives us opportunity after opportunity to get it right. But if we keep ignoring that little small voice that we know as the Holy Spirit, who's encouraging us not to say that thing, encouraging us to forgive that person, even though we feel like they don't deserve our forgiveness. The Holy Spirit that is prompting us to make a different decision than the one our sinful nature is yelling at us to do and to make. If we keep ignoring those warnings, eventually we may find ourselves on the receiving end of God's discipline, which may look like a painful breakup that could have been avoided. It may look like dealing with financial hardship because we were unwilling to curb some of our own unnecessary spending. It may look like finally getting in trouble with the law because we haven't been open about our addiction and what it's doing to us, and eventually we receive His discipline, and God does not discipline us because he delights in seeing us suffer. Remember, God disciplines us because he delights in seeing us succeed. He will allow temporary pain because of the gain. In other words, no pain, no gain. It is true at Planet Fitness, and it is true in our spiritual journey as well, we cannot get to all the places that God has for us without pain. Pain is a part of the process. And I know that it can feel painful, correction hurts. It rarely feels good in the moment, but living life based on how you feel will also never get you to where you wanna go. Some of the most impactful conversations that I've ever had in my life, a mentor who looked at me and told me that I was holding on to resentment a conversation with my husband where he told me I was being too harsh with the kids those things did not feel good in the moment but the only thing worse than not than being corrected is not being corrected because if you don't have anybody in your life who's willing to correct you, that means that you don't have anybody in your life who is willing to truly see God's purpose and plan for you, to help you grow. And when, we, when it comes to this whole discipline thing in our faith, how we see God determines how we see his discipline. It's all about perspective. We either think that God is doing this to us or God's doing it for us. The author puts it like this. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. And how many of us have been um, out in the grocery store, we see a kid misbehaving and we think, where are his parents, right? Listen, pre-kids, I was very judgmental. But sometimes all it takes is a couple of toddler tantrums in the grocery store to really humble a person. It's like, the Lord will humble you one way (laughs) or another. You will not get any judgment from me. I know, you're not in control. The three-year-old's in control. I get it, I understand. But the truth is, if we're out and we see somebody's kid misbehaving, we think, where's their parents? Why aren't they doing anything? We don't think, hey, I'm gonna go over there and discipline that kid because it's not our responsibility. We're not their parent. But the truth is for all of us who believe in Jesus, we are God's kids. And guess what? It's his responsibility to discipline us. Remember, we only see the present, but he sees the past for our future. And if you've ever wondered, well, what is God really like? You've heard a lot of things. You've heard that God is vengeful. You've heard that God is so perfect, so holy, you can never get to him. You've heard that God is just here to punish you. Let me tell you what God is really like. We have to look no further than the miracle of him sending his son Jesus. Jesus was fully human and fully God. He experienced what we experienced. He felt what we felt, hunger and hopelessness and hope and hurt. And God sent him to the cross to die for our sins. And three days later, he was resurrected so that we could be made right with God. And the Bible tells us now that any of us who believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord will be saved. That's how much God loved us. He loved us enough to give us a way to get to him. And one of the things, I i mean, this just, is overwhelming to me that when we put our faith in Jesus, we now have adoption rights. And that means the way that God sees Jesus, he now sees us. It's truly incredible. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see someone who went through some really painful things. Not as a product of discipline, but as a product of purpose. And I think many of us, myself included at times, believe that if we're experiencing pain, something must be wrong. And in some cases, that's true. Sometimes we do our own dumb stuff to get us in these places. But sometimes pain is a pathway to purpose. Think about this, Jesus' greatest moment of physical pain, hanging on that cross, beaten and bleeding was also his greatest moment of purpose. His purpose could not have happened without the pain. So as you try to resist all that pain, I want you to ask yourself, are you truly just resisting God's purpose for your life? Because purpose and pain come together in this package. But the good news is that we don't have to do this life alone. Remember, there's no pain, also means no gain. No pain, no gain. And so we've gotta get ourselves to this place where we believe that God's discipline is good for us. As the theme verse of this series says, God blesses those when our, our hearts are pure for they will see God. And discipline propels us to purity, to being able to see God more clearly. And as I was preparing for this, I thought about something from a couple of, of years ago where discipline is not always easy, it's painful. A few years ago, I made a dishonest financial decision. And it wasn't a big decision. Um, It was literally amounted to about $40. So I feel like that's important for you to know this is not my big embezzlement confession (laughs) from stage. Um, But regardless of the amount, it was a dishonest decision. And it honestly was kind of dumb. And as soon as it happened, I thought I should tell somebody, but I didn't. And we've all had those moments. And so I kind of hung on to this thing. And I was like, again, it's not that big of a deal. But for two years, the Holy Spirit would draw this thing to mind to me. And I would think about it. And then I would think about how it wasn't that big of a deal, but it was going to seem like a big deal if I told somebody because it was two years ago and would they really believe me, right? That's what we do. That's how the enemy twists things. That's how we find ourselves in places of guilt and shame. And so finally, the Holy Spirit just kept encouraging me to, to confess and finally, I was not brave enough to tell the person who was actually affected by it, but I was brave enough to tell a friend. That's why we all need to be in a J group with some people going the same direction, spiritually as we are. And she was graceful. She confirmed in that moment, hey, yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal, but, but you need to fess up. And so I, I told the person who was affected, and I was, I mean, honestly, I was so worried about it. I was so scared what they were gonna think about me. And you know what happened in that moment? Instantly, I felt lighter. I stripped off that weight. It was worth it. And so if we want to live a clean life, we have to start by coming clean. That's part of why we talk here about a slot and a spot, a time and a place in our day for God where we can read the Bible and we can pray. Because listen, when we get into a time with God, we better understand God's character. And until we understand the character of God, we can't and won't submit to his correction. Why would we be why would we allow ourselves to be disciplined by someone that we don't really know? Somebody that we don't really believe loves us? But when we are reminded daily of how much God loves us, we become more committed to coming clean, to stripping off those dirty, filthy, sinful clothes and getting right before God. We remember that no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. So if your goal is to live a pain-free life, then I'm telling you right now, following Jesus is not the life for you. If your ultimate goal is to live a pain-free life, following Jesus is not the life for you. But if your goal is to live with a hope that transcends every circumstance, to have joy and hope and peace in a messed up, broken, crazy world where everything is falling apart but you have a strong foundation, then following Jesus is the life for you. It won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. Because after that painful moment, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You know what I did not have for those two years that I was holding on to that secret? Peace. And you wanna know what I received the moment I came clean? Peace. And some of us today, are desperate for peace. You want peace in your finances, your relationships, your spiritual health, your physical health, your mental health, you're desperate for peace. But you're also desperate to avoid pain. And so you're just kind of right in the middle of this wrestling, this unending tension, and I've been there. And in those moments, you have to ask yourself, which desperation is greater? Are you more desperate to just avoid pain or are you more desperate for the presence of God and the peace of God? Because the presence of God and the peace of God changes everything, but God is gracious. So every moment of every day, he gives us an opportunity to choose our way or his way. We can choose avoiding pain, which let's just be honest, is going to catch up with us eventually. Or we can choose peace. And peace is worth laying down our priorities for. Look at how the author finishes. He says, so take a new grip with your tired hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong if you find yourself today tired weak weary discouraged frustrated overwhelmed i want to encourage you refresh your grip today and the good news is you don't have to summon up some sort of strength on your own the holy spirit will come in he is your source he is your strength he will give you the power to trust God, and remember those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So church, I'm here to tell you today that you can trust in the Lord and find the strength that you've always wanted. You can run and not grow weary. You can walk and not grow faint. You simply have to give God your biggest yes. It's an invitation. You decide whether you're gonna open it or not. You can keep avoiding it. You can kind of keep wriggling out of what you know that God wants for you, or you can open that envelope, and it can feel scary and overwhelming and full of questions, but you'll also have a hope that is anchored deep within your soul, saying yes to his correction is worth it because we get to gain the life that we've always wanted to live. If you needed that reminder this weekend, maybe there's been some area of your life that you've been holding on to with such a tight grip and you wanna release it to God today, would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray over all of us this weekend, yeah. Amen, God, we come to you and we thank you for who you are. You are a good father. Our souls cry out. Abba, Father, we trust you as your kids. So Father, today I pray for all of us who are holding on to something in our lives, something that you have been telling us to get out of our grip. God, I pray today in the presence of you. And God, I pray by the power of Jesus that we can release whatever it is that we're holding on to. Because when we release it, when we open our hands, what happens is that there is now space for you to work. What we previously held on to, we have now given you an open invitation to do what you want to do in our lives. As we all just stay focused on this moment together, maybe for you, you've heard a lot about God and you've heard a lot about what God wants from you, but not quite as much about what God wants for you. You've heard about the rules, you've heard about the religion, you've heard about the do's and don'ts, but you haven't really heard the heart of the gospel, which is that God sent his son for you, not just for your neighbor, not just for your friend who seems like they have it all together, not just for that super religious person that looks good on the outside. He sent Jesus for you so that you did not have to bear the weight of this world on your own, so that you did not have to struggle under the weight, so that you didn't have to try to find your own way. He sent Jesus so that you could say yes to a God who'll give you hope and peace and joy no matter your circumstances. And if you haven't ever yet said yes to God, I want to invite you to make this moment your moment. To say yes to Jesus. I'm telling you, I I gave that yes to Jesus 11 and a half years ago and it changed everything for me. And so I want to invite you to pray with me again. You can use my words, you can use your own. But say, God, I come to you today and I let go of everything I'm trying to hold on to on my own. And in this moment, I say yes to Jesus. I make Jesus leader and Lord of my life. I'm tired of carrying this weight on my own. My past no longer defines me. My future is by being known by you. And if you prayed that prayer, whether you're here in the room at Newark or Hocassin, would you just raise your hand If you're online, you can type faith in the chat. We believe that's the most important decision that you're ever gonna make. And Journey, will you help me celebrate people saying yes to Jesus this weekend?